Since the 4th of April 2021 today, we are trying to train our minds to bring them into a collective state of samadhi so that they become still. Because if they don't have stillness, then they won't have peace and the mind won't have any energy to it, it won't have any power. What we call uh, palang or pala. So this faith that we all have, this belief that we have, this is a power there in our, in our heart. So we use that to try and practice. And sometimes our efforts are quite weak. Our mindfulness is weak. The heart isn't well established and wisdom isn't arising. And this is normal for practitioners, um, that sometimes this will be the state of it, um, that sometimes there'll be goodness and sometimes not. We may have the inclination to be very generous, to sacrifice, because we see the benefits of it. We support the Buddhist religion and give offerings of the four requisites of the clothing or robes and food, shelter and medicine. We help to spread the teachings of the Buddha. And uh, this comes from the faith of the laity. They give the requisites to um, support the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha. They have this kindness and compassion. And we see that we're able to, to know these things, we're able to do these things um, because of the Bharami, of the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. So in the beginning, for us practitioners, we didn't know these things. These will come from things that we weren't aware of. We initially didn't know much about generosity, but then we became generous people. We didn't know much about developing goodness, but then we became good people. And we have this, when we have the opportunity, then we offer food to the monks, for example. We listen to the Dhamma. And for some people, they are far away from the monastery, so they don't have that opportunity to offer food to the monks and arms around. But still, they manage to sacrifice, to be generous continuously. And then we come to meditate, to train our minds, to bring up wisdom. So we see that through our generosity, then we gain this goodness there within our own hearts. Our minds become very filled up with that goodness. And this is a heart of merit. And uh, if we don't have a lot to give, then we just give in line with what we can, in line with our means. And this will still bring up great joy in our hearts. It will still bring up a lot of goodness, a lot of uh, inner brightness. And in doing this, we're practicing following uh, the ways of Lady Visaka and Anandapindika. And they were people who had seen the state of the Dhamma, seen that life is not sure, that the things of this world we just use temporarily. And we have them now because we're still alive, but one day we're going to have to be separated from all of it. And then when we die, there's nothing left and there's nothing that belongs to us. It all just goes back to the world like it was before. Even this body is something that we borrow, these elements of earth, water, fire, and air. Within 
with each in-breath, they come into the body, and with each out-breath, they leave. They arise and cease like this. But the things that we do, the good actions that we do, this brings up wealth. So our generosity is a wealth that comes from sacrificing our external wealth. We can also give our energy of body, speech, and mind through uh, developing mindfulness and cultivating wisdom. And this gives rise and cultivates an inner wealth. This noble wealth, the wealth which is far away from enemies. So the external wealth that we have, this can be destroyed by many different things, by fires, by earthquakes, by floods, by tsunamis. There are many different things that can take it away. But our internal wealth can't be destroyed by these things. And this inner wealth, it's a supply that we need in order to travel, to make it to Nibbana. Um, we need, because we'll probably, or if we need to be born again, um, then we will be born in a place where it's not too difficult. Because if we are born with much um, ardour, much difficulty, then it'll be very tough for us to practice if we don't have the four requisites, for example. But if we have sufficient wealth, um, just enough, then we'll be able to live a relatively easy life where we can practice. And what we have left over, then we can sacrifice. We give that up. We're generous with it. So this becomes the supplies that we take for our travels. And our sila is the vehicle that we travel in. So in this training and developing of the mind, we do it uh, because we see into the inconstancy, the instability of sankharas, of conditioned phenomena. And that we can see this shows that we have wisdom. See that all these conditions are not sure, they are uh, temporary. They rise, they stay for a bit, and they cease. That there's nothing real or lasting there. There's nothing that actually belongs to me. And this gives us energy to practice. And uh, when we practice, then we have these qualities of generosity and of virtue. And even though we have these, the mind still experiences so many sensations. And this mind is a knowing element um, but it's a knowing element that has been diluted for a very long time now. And so it dilutedly goes and attaches, attaches to these objects, attaches to itself as being a me. And when the mind, the mind is me, then all the things that come, in, come up within the mind are also mine. And there's this ignorance that pushes the mind into proliferating. And sometimes... There are good thoughts, sometimes there are bad thoughts. But this ignorance um, is the cause for this proliferation, for these sankharas to come up. So there are these mental formations of the meritorious sort and the demeritorious sort. And there's also these sankharas which occur within the formless jhanas, but this is talking on a bit too high of a level. And uh, so there are meritorious things, and um, when we act in line with those, um, then 
there'll be goodness coming up. And uh, the mind will be either on the level of a human or of on the level of a deva. Uh, but the results of um, demeritorious uh, sankharas, if we follow up on those, is uh, being born in one of the states of deprivation. And that's uh, if we don't have these five precepts, then we'll be able to be born in these lower states. But now we have a mind um, which, or the mind of a practitioner, and it's natural for us to just want goodness. We see the danger in thinking about bad things. We understand that this is evil or this is harmful. And if we think good things, then this is meritorious. But we should have mindfulness there. Because if our mindfulness isn't well established, um, if our samadhi isn't firm, then we're not able to control the mind, to stop it thinking outside of this path. It's just not something that we're capable of doing. Because these defilements are still there. And when the defilements come up, they'll push us into creating karma. And then there's the results of this karma. And then this gives rise to more defilements. And uh, the way we look at the world can be quite different. The, the mind uh, proliferates. And at times we may see the world in a bad light and then sometimes in a good light. And it can often be the case in the space of one day, we can look at the world quite negatively more than we do in a positive way. And this is because of all the anger there within our minds. This uh, dosa, which gives rise to hate and other feelings. We don't like things, and the mind proliferates upon that. If we know these things as they're happening, however, and we see them that they're not sure, these things are inconstant, we have this knowledge, then wisdom can come up. We'll be able to see these things arise and cease. And this is enough to see that they're empty and see that there's no me or mine within them. We see that the mind isn't me. These thoughts are not mine. This proliferation is not mine. It's just the nature of the mind, the mind that still has a sense of self. And uh, the defilements there will just naturally cause this prolifer proliferation in the mind. So we take these defilements to be me and mine. And when this mind thinks good thoughts, then it's at ease. When it thinks bad thoughts, then we don't like that. We think that that is evil or harmful. And uh, that's because we just want this goodness. We see that bad things obstruct uh, the path and the fruits and Nibbana. So we wish for this, to just have goodness, but we're not able to get that. Uh, because sometimes there's goodness there and sometimes there are not good things there. And these very deep states of absorption, they're able to suppress these defilements. That energy of samadhi, we depend on that to hold down these defilements. But we still haven't abandoned that very deep sense of self, which is um, embedded uh, within the heart. So all we're capable of doing at this stage is just holding back these defilements.
But when the mind doesn't have samadhi, then it goes back to what it was like before. Sometimes there's good thoughts, sometimes there's bad thoughts. And that's what happens when the mind isn't in the state of samadhi. And when there's just little amounts of collectedness and firmness of mind, then it's natural for the mind to proliferate, um, following its instincts. If there's something we don't like, then that gives rise to suffering. We don't want it. We don't want to get that. We don't want to be like that. We don't want for the mind to think in that way. And we're afraid of this evil. But we're not able to stop our minds. And the more we try to stop them, to force them to stop, the more they'll think in this way. So if we're not able to kind of resign our minds to this or to to accept this, then we can suffer a huge amount over it. And I um, had an experience like this um, myself. There was one time I was with my teacher who I had such deep respect for. And we were eating um, outside of the monastery and went to wash his bowl. And there was some food left in the bowl. And I didn't know where to throw it away. And the only place I could find uh, to throw away that food was um, in the bathroom. But I thought that wasn't appropriate because his his bowl and uh, even the contents of his bowl, um, it's not appropriate to throw it away in a place like that. So I suffered a lot due to that. The mind was very agitated. Um, There was a lot of uh, harmful things in the mind. Um, So sometimes we just need to forgive ourselves um, because we are still practicing. We're still walking this path, but we are good people. For those people who are very coarse, what we call uh, putuchanas, Um, they don't really know anything, they're clueless. Just like people who who are neurotic or who have mental disorders. And so arahants, um, these noble beings, they don't think in this way. They see things as just arising and ceasing. Uh, But for those beings who don't know anything, um, there's a lot of unskillful qualities in their minds and their minds are in a very low state. But for us practitioners, we have the sense of shame, of wrongdoing, and a fear, a wholesome fear of this wrongdoing. This is a feeling that comes up. So we should contemplate things and see their benefits. And if there's something that does have benefit, then we do it. If it's something that is void of benefit, then we just toss it out. And this is right effort, that if there's... Um, unskillful or evil states that have arisen, we put effort into abandoning them. And we'll see that in the noble path, it doesn't say that we shouldn't have any unskillful states, that it's wrong to have any evil states. But what it says is that if these states arise, then we abandon them. And we put effort into the non-arising of unarisen um, harmful states. And if it does come up, then we have mindfulness there. We're very mindful of what's going on. If the mind's thinking in an unskillful way, then we change that um, trajectory and we bring it around to chanting. And we use this to fight against it. We can recite uh, Arahang Sama Sambuto and do this nine times. 
โอเมบีนัมโมทัสสะปะกวาโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะโอพุทธังสารนังกัจฉามิ and chant this nine times try to change over the object of the mind to something that's skillful and when the mind's with the skillful object then unskillful things they can't arise so this is the practice of citta nupassana of looking at our minds with mindfulness if there's unskillful qualities arising or un or skillful qualities arising then we know what's happening If greed, hatred, and delusion come up, then we know that we follow up on the mind, knowing what's happening, training our minds, telling them that these things are not sure; these things are inconstant. And in doing this, wisdom arises. But if wisdom's not coming up, what that shows us is that our samadhi is not well established, and the mind is in a stirred-up, chaotic state. And it's because there's these thinkings, and we there's all the thoughts when we attach to them, and suffering arises, and it comes up immediately. There are these painful feelings, and the mind suffers. And but why is it? And sorry, who is it that is suffering? We should ask ourselves this. And so, when there's this suffering coming up, where does this come from? Five minutes ago, we weren't feeling like this, but we are now. And in a little bit, this will disappear, right? So we teach ourselves that this suffering, this stress, is not me. Happiness is not me. Skillful thoughts are not me. Unskillful thoughts—they don't belong to me. We have mindfulness here, knowing that these things are not self. Teaching our minds to not attach. So we need to bring up a lot of mindfulness um, to do this. But if our minds do attach, what that shows us is that our mindfulness is too weak. Our samadhi is not well established, and wisdom isn't arising. So we're not able to see the mind as merely a mind. So the mind becomes all stirred up, and then suffering arises, and the mind becomes quite gloomy. But here we should have mindfulness, knowing that the mind is gloomy, knowing why it's gloomy. When it's bright, then why is it bright? We should know this. We should know the reasons for these things. Just like when we chant, then the mind feels very at ease and it becomes radiant. When we're generous, or when we develop. Samadhi or wisdom, then the mind can become radiant through these qualities, and doesn't attach to things. It's able to see all things as being empty, as being not self. So this is what happens when we gain the results of our virtue of samadhi and of wisdom, and the highest result of this is anatta, is not self. See, the mind is just a mind. The mind becomes empty. It becomes pure. It grows bright and radiant. And this is nibbana, and so here we're seeing nibbana, and um, we can use nibbana as an object of recollection. In the beginning, however, we make sure that we're generous and virtuous as um, something that's normal in our lives. That we have this faith, we have this very deep respect for the teachings of the Buddha. And so we contemplate and study this dhamma, and we discuss the dhamma, and we shouldn't get disheartened in the dhamma. When suffering comes up, then we know that, and no matter how much we're suffering, no matter how much agony or stress there is, then we know that, and so we teach ourselves that this isn't. Or sorry, rather, we contemplate that it's not just me who is. Feeling like this, there are other people that feel like this as well, and the suffering is a noble truth. 
It's something that we need to understand. It's also something that we can overcome as well. So we shouldn't be afraid of it. So just like how there are many different trees in the forest, and some of those trees have thorns, and they don't have any heartwood, and we're not able to use them to build houses. And so we just leave them alone. We leave them as they are. It's the same with the things in our minds. Sometimes our thoughts aren't good, so we just throw them away, we toss them out. Sometimes there are good thoughts, thoughts about chanting, about listening to the Dhamma, about sitting in meditation, and we do those, we act upon those. And so we recollect, or it's normal when we um, chant this recollection of the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, then sometimes the mind will be thinking about unskillful things. It may be giving rise to feelings of greed, hatred, and delusion. But we shouldn't worry about that. We just carry on with the chanting. Just carry on developing it, and goodness will grow and grow. So practitioners are those people who just wish for goodness. They want for just, just to experience or just to give rise to good things. Just to have loving kindness, for example. But in the current state that our minds are in, then sometimes we'll get this and sometimes we won't. But um, when we have these unskillful thoughts, and uh, sorry, it's normal for practitioners when there are these unskillful thoughts that come up, then we don't like them. And, uh, but we shouldn't worry about that. We shouldn't hold on to that. Um, because we will suffer if we do. So rather we should uh, respond with loving-kindness, um, seeing that there are these unskillful things in the mind, and it's also normal for other people in the world to be this way as well. The fresh practitioners that we want all people to be good people, to be people who are kind to each other, uh, but some people just aren't like that. So we bring up kindness, seeing that all beings, they are suffering. Because all of us have these five aggregates, and these are heavy things, and things that bring us stress. And so we teach our minds um, in this way. If there's any unskillful state that arises, then we abandon that. Unarisen, unskillful states, we try to not allow them to arise. For good things, then we cultivate those, we nurture those, and we follow up on those, on those meritorious thoughts. Helping out people in society, helping uh, students who are studying, people who are in a hard place in their lives, who are going through suffering. And we have these hearts that want to help out, that want to cultivate merit. And this is because, or this shows us that our hearts have fallen into the stream of merit. For those who have the faith to keep the precepts, the five precepts on a daily basis, on the lunar observance days, the eight precepts, and this shows that their mind has uh, fallen into the stream of virtue. And so we have this faith, there's also this faith to meditate as well. Uh, to, and this practice of meditation, it brings about great goodness. Because making our minds firm is the path to seeing the Dhamma. 
And it's what can really allow us to abandon unskillful things, to give rise to merit and skillfulness. We do this by chanting, by meditating, by bringing the mind to peace. And in no long time, then we will experience this peace. It's not above our abilities. Just like how there's water there under the ground, and if we drill we don't stop, then we'll have to meet with that water. In places where there's oil, then when we drill we'll find oil. Uh, but water is um, everywhere under the ground, so we put in our effort. And if we don't have effort, then we won't meet with that water for sure. And so we put in our effort, and we keep going without stopping. And when we do a lot of sitting meditation, walking meditation, then we need to bring up mindfulness as well. Because if we just carry on thinking, then we won't get results. So we need to have effort with mindfulness in order to gain inner peace. And um, so, just like how there is fire within a rock, but we need to put an effort to strike those rocks together to, for a spark to arise. And there's this inner Buddha within our hearts, but we need to train those minds in order for to meet that inner Buddha. We need to walk this path, we need to seek that inner Buddha out. So therefore we should be sincere, we shouldn't become disheartened. And uh, sometimes the mind does become disheartened, it can become quite gloomy, there can be suffering. But we should teach ourselves, and we should give ourselves encouragement, because what we're fighting against is the world champion. And it's very difficult to try to overcome him in just the space of a few days or even just one year. It's not something that we're able to do. So we need to endure a lot uh, to really stay with this, even though it's very difficult. And so uh, we should try to gain smaller victories first. The victory of um, bringing our actions of body and speech in line with virtue, of gaining some control over our minds so that they can come into samadhi and doing this at some periods. And then when the mind is still, then it will be very settled. But there are still these kilesas there, there's still this attachment there, and the mind will still think on. And that's just uh, natural for it to be like this. And so we accept that, but we also train. We don't just abandon the mind. Because and we don't just allow these unskillful things to, uh, to just keep up more and more. So we train our minds like this, and in the end then the mind will need to gather into samadhi and wisdom will arise. There will be this great energy coming up. And uh, in the beginning, however, it's really difficult because the mind can be so chaotic. And, uh, just like for new monks, they come to the monastery and they try to put in their efforts and they look around and they're friends and they all look so still and calm and peaceful. And they think that I'm suffering and no one else is suffering like me. Why am I so unsettled? Why do I have all these doubts? Why do I think all these bad things? There's no stability to my mind. And uh, so we can think um, in this way. But when we train ourselves to bring about peace, then in no long time we'll need to meet with that. But these defilements can be quite um, hard to overcome because they just won't let up. They don't want to be separated from us. 
They want to constantly keep our minds within their power, under their control. So sometimes goodness will arise, the mind will gain, will go into samadhi and will be very at ease, we'll feel like we're in heaven. But on the days when there's no inner peace, then we'll drop into hell. We see that both heaven and hell reside within our own hearts. And no matter what comes up, we have to deal with it, we have to practice with that. And Putlam said that we just carry on practicing, just carry on going. And it's really important um, to be close to a great teacher. And if we are, then we can, we can progress quickly. And for me, I gained a lot of energy of mind um, being close to my teacher. And even before I ordained, I was able to see into the state of nature, to um, see into emptiness. I understood that the things of this world are not sure. And I felt that no matter how much wealth I gained, then I'd be generous with that wealth. Uh, because um, it's just not sure. And all these things that we gain, we have to put them down, we have to leave them. And I also um, kept the eight precepts on a regular basis. I was really intent to listen to the Dhamma, I had this great interest in the Dhamma. I wanted to know the Dhamma, to understand it, to abandon the defilements. And at times, joy arose within my heart for maybe three days or three nights. The state of the mind changed over and was able to see into the Dhamma. And this state, this um, change of inner state was something that happened very clearly, that the mind gathered together and it went empty, able to see all things as being empty, the nature of all things in this world. And I felt that even if I was able to gain all of the wealth of this world, I wouldn't want it. And uh, why was that? It's because I saw it as being a constant, saw it as being unstable. The things of the world are just this way, and when we leave, we can't take it with us. And when we die, that's what it's like. It doesn't give us any benefit. And so I could see things arise and cease in this way, all material things. This happened for three days and three nights. And the mind changed, its views changed. And goodness uh, grew and grew in the heart. And there was this sincerity to go towards Nibbāna, to practice in order to meet with the truth. So even though the practice is difficult, we need to struggle, we need to fight, we need to bring up patient endurance. And um, it, compared to the Buddha, it's not so difficult, because the Buddha, he had to be born and die so many times for us, in order to help us. And for us, all we need to do is just endure a little bit, just endure enough to be able to walk into the orchard that he planted and pick one of the fruit and put that in our mouths. That's all the endurance that we need. So we chant, we cultivate our hearts, we bring up metta, and uh, through doing this, then we can see into the truth, and the mind can abide above the world and turn empty. But we need to bring up our sincerity in the practice um, to do this, because if we don't practice, then these things just won't arise. They come about through our efforts. And even though it's difficult, we just carry on, and the mind will reach a state of brightness. So we shouldn't forget our um, mantras, our meditation words. If it's too long, then we can shorten it. 
just to um, arahang, samma, sambuddha. So the Buddha is the pure one, the perfectly enlightened one. And we can also do this for the Dhamma and the Sangha, contemplate. And uh, if we're chanting in Bali, we don't understand what we're chanting, then we can translate that as well into a language that we do understand, Thai or English. So the meaning goes deeper into our hearts while we're chanting, and joy can arise. And so we can just chant in our own language sometimes, in English or in Thai. And then we see that the goodness of the Buddha is just so vast, and there's nothing else that can compete with that. And that we're able to know about generosity and virtue is because of the teachings of the Buddha. And so we bow our hearts to the Buddha, and through this our joy arises and the mind can enter into samadhi. And so in chanting the praises of the Buddha, we, we bow our hearts down to that and recollect the Buddha. You can also recollect our generosity, our sacrifices, the, because we are people who are generous on a regular basis. We recollect the goodness that we've done, and we can do this first. Recollect our virtue as well. And this can bring up faith. And we have this faith to do goodness on a regular basis. And then when the mind is still through this, these recollections, then we can come to look at the breath as it comes and goes. And we can see through this, uh, arising and ceasing, and see emptiness. Contemplate that there really isn't anything there. See, everything is being empty, that we shouldn't attach to any of it. It's all sunyata, it's all anatta. And this is taking uh, nibbana as the object of our minds. So if we recollect um, in this way, and the mind starts to think a lot, then we bring it back to our goodness, we bring it back to our virtue. And then when the mind has gone over these, then we can start meditating again. And when the mind is still, then we can see into anatta, see all things is just arising and ceasing, all things is not self. This is the way of wisdom giving rise to samadhi. And when the mind comes together, this path of sila, samadhi and banya comes together, then this clear knowledge arises that there's no me and there's nothing that belongs to me. The mind turns bright, it becomes lukutara, it goes beyond the world. And metta is a natural quality for the heart in this state. It's not something that we have to develop. We don't have to think, may I be happy, may all beings be happy. The mind just naturally is imbued with metta. It's not attached to things. It sees that nothing there is me or mine. Is this knowing element and all-knowing elements, both ours and of all beings, uh, wish for happiness, and none of them wish to suffer. And the mind feels very at ease um, through being able to see things like this. And so we should train our minds in this way, not to retreat, bring up our efforts, um, settle our minds, be um, patient and endure. And we need to do this. We need to not be heedless, but to be mindful. Recollect uh, Buddha, Dhammo, Sangho, or Arahang, Samma, Sambuddha, or tell ourselves that everything is empty, everything is empty. Or we can recite Anicca, uh, Dukkha, Anatta, and contemplate like this, train like this, really do it a lot. Because the Buddha is right in front of us, so we shouldn't be heedless, we should have effort. So may all of you attain 
to the path, the fruits, and nibbana.